0: They're checking cherubin pots strewn strategically along the day. Charter boys are tying padernosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps.
1: As launch time moves, and in the front bar of the Top End pub... So I said, yes darling, it is your lingerie I'm wearing, but if you just calm down, there's a perfectly logical explanation. Sneak. Uh-oh. What's going on? More. Rob, 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 Rob. look at the time, man. Oh, Come yeah. on, we got to go.
2: Get your bums in the boat and get on with it.
1: G'day, fishos, and welcome aboard for another week where, look, I don't know, do you ever get the tingly feeling, like when you're a kid, when you're waiting for your birthday present, just that excited verge of, you know, something is about to happen, something good, something really good and really exciting, and we're right on the edge of it here comes the cake it it's
3: comes. coming! Exactly. Here mums coming with the cake it's got icing all over it I can't I can't stand it give me the cake but,
1: but right now the cakes we're salivating over are not iced they're scaled and those big mobs of big ones of them really big ones Oh, the biggest one i can That's what it's all about at this time of year. The runoff of a fantastic, fantastic wet season is upon us. Easter is approaching. People tossing the course. Should I camp? I'll probably get a wet bum, but I think I'll camp anyway because it's going to be bloody fantastic.
4: (laughs) I want the cake so bad, man. I want that cake so bad. I want the cake in the barrel right now. Whew. I've got a sugar rush just thinking about
1: it. It's exciting. It's a little bit exciting, a little bit frustrating, in this thing we call the Tinny Tim.
4: I oh, know. So is, many cakes. There's
1: an orgy of cake eating going and on. And they're
4: massive. There. They're not just a Woolies special, eight or nine bucks special.
1: We're talking a top shelf patisserie number. Oh
4: no! This is Mum and Dad who's had three or four trials of making Thomas the Tank Engine cake. Oh. That's four foot long. And, you know, half the child's height with all the decorations, even the little fat controller oh. sitting there. Is that one, is one of those sort of cakes. Oh. Or a pink ballerina fairy emerging from a castle in a cake full of sugar. Or
1: the four-foot-tall croc-on-boosh of profiteroles <laughs> with caramelized bits.
4: This is serious cake work. Oh. Stay with us. Tim and Rob, on with you on Tales from the Tinny. We'll be catching Dewey's, Goldie's and even drones this week. Taking you to a place where more meteries are being caught over this season than at any time in the previous six years and share with you a powerful bonding moment over Barra for dad and boy.
5: Very, very proud father moment. A little envious as well, you know. <laughs> I would have liked to have caught that one. Ty went to give me a high five and I said, come here and give me a hug, you son of a bitch.
1: Ah, oh, I love that father-son talk. <laughs> hey, Father-son gear going on today in the titty. We've got father-son and grandfathers catching fish. Oh! Having one's cake and eating it too, Timmy.
0: Paul from Darwin Harbour Fish and Charters. Goldies, 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 jewfish. Goldies, 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 jewfish. Sometimes jewfish, jewfish, jewfish.
4: <laughs> goldies. <laughs>
0: Jewies and goldies, you must be getting bored of that. We're getting every single Lujana species there is out there, including every now and then a maroon snapper. Surely you'd want for
4: just a little cheeky stripey or a rock cod or maybe a spiraling batfish to mix it up. Yep, we get
0: them all, don't worry about that. Let's look at neat
4: tides firstly. Where will you be working mostly?
0: Well, almost all the deep zones and some shallow reefs at high tide, believe it or not, and we're producing an enormous amount of fish on those, some of those shallow reefs around Darwin Harbour. On the larger springs, around, as, as the tide starts to slow down, we get out deeper and deeper and deeper, strictly in Darwin Harbour. Um, and as the tide speeds up, we go shallower and shallower until the tide drops down below the tree line and the root line. Then we go up the estuaries, throw the cast net, swap the heavy gear out to the spin rods, double hook running sinker rigs and float lines, Pin liveys on and get barra. And uh, goldies you're getting of, of decent size in the harbour? Ranging between one and four kilos. The jewfish, Ranging between four and 20 kilos. <laughs> <laughs> it has been awesome. It's been awesome. Been finding many barra? Uh, maybe two or three, uh, and sometimes only landing one out of those. All on liveys. Usually there's a lot of fish left over for me and I've got a friend who runs Vinny's, and she actually lives across the road, her and her lovely man and beautiful family, straight across the road from me in Stuart Park and if I've got a big Jewfish fillet, I'll drop it over there. She'll divide it up amongst uh, the volunteers at Vinny's, which I think is an absolutely wonderful thing. Bloody oath, it is. I drop the customers off in the afternoon and if I haven't got dinner, I'll just sneak over to one of my secret little spots, drop a line, catch a decent fish for dinner, pack up and go home. And that is a day at the office.
6: That's a day in the office.
3: T-Boys, charge and tackle!
6: Woo! <laughs> right, G'day, Braden Menzies from Nightcliff. Been uh, down to Shady, which is a, a long-held haunt of yours, Braden. How'd you go? Yeah, we had a bit of fun. It was a bit tough the first two days. There were some big uh, westerly winds but we tucked away, and we ended up with three meteries for the week, so or for the three days, which was fun. Oh, we just went to one of the coastals uh, with all the other boats. There was about seven or eight boats hanging around, and we just cast the middle, the lures with everyone else, and we got lucky. We got three of the four off that were caught that day, I think. They were what we call in this office meterie sprats. So
4: <laughs> If you don't mind, <laughs> round the office, everyone
6: aims for top-end meteries. Yeah, yeah no, meterie sprats, they, they only count for half. So we got, <laughs> we got a 102, 104, and a 106.
1: Oh, that's so, that's so disappointing, Braden.
4: What's the ranking then? If, if that's a metery sprat, what do you have to get to get into the next
6: echelon? Well, this is the office of hogs, so 120 or it doesn't count. Geez, you're a
1: <laughs> hard taskmaster's around here, <laughs> eh? You've got Stewie on board on the other side of the glass here too, so there's a few people who know how to nail some fish. What were you throwing around?
6: Yeah, just the ever-reliable bomber, mate, whatever colour. The tiger lily got one, the Olivia got one and the green got one. You make it sound easy,
4: mate, but that's because you know the spot and have been fishing it for a million years. How are you examining and thinking about those big spring tides, where to position yourself
6: and what to look for? Well, I'm just looking for bait and in particular looking for salmon. If I can find the burnets or the blues or even the small threadies, that's where the big barrel will be. If there's no salmon... I don't particularly worry about mullet when it comes to the hogs, um, so I'm looking for salmon. If we catch in a few of salmon, I'll keep casting, and I think one of the big things are, I think if you rip out twice as many casts as everyone else, you've got twice as much chance. It's just a matter of luck. The lure lands in front of its face, you rip it across the front of them, then they'll probably eat it.
1: Is there signs you see in
6: the water without catching? Yeah, the salmon tend to do a bit of a splash here and there. Um, you know, generally you can't, you've got to f- catch a couple first. If you catch a couple, I don't move. So I want to catch the small salmon. And is that something you've learnt just through time and experience, that relationship? Yeah, just doing that. I th- tend to find if there's too many small barra, you won't get the big ones. So generally, you get a fall on the starting income, you get a few of the smaller barra, the 60s and 70s, and what we want then is, as the tide peaks, is them to go away. Because they're also food.
1: This is a, a term that's new to us, and uh, I think we're going to adopt it quite heavily now. The hogs oh. so, so, and the sprats. And the <laughs> sprats. So that when you say small salmon, uh, what size? What size is prime for the indicator of the presence of hogs?
6: Well, well I love the <laughs> the hogs. Love those burnets, like um, and they'll eat a bomber as well. So we're looking for the burnets, something around the fifty centimetre mark. Not you know, then the, the barrels aren't going to eat those big metre threadies, but generally those. You know, just too small to fill it, size salmon. So smaller fish coming
4: in on the start of the push, but ideally for hogs you want to be there over the turn of the top, last of the incoming, first of the outgoing, don't you, Braden?
6: Exactly right. But then you need your other seven mates that we needed to be quiet. Um, it's, it's when it goes all quiet and still, that's when the hogs are there. And if someone bangs and crashes and moves and that's the gone, they're finished.
4: Anchor, subtlety, beer, extrication from esky, subtlety, the whole bit.
6: Yeah, no running bilge pumps. and We had a case there on the weekend where one guy started his motor up out of the water just as they came on the bite. He had a number on his boat, a licence number. One of the guides kindly kindly told him that that's not really on. But then we had nothing for half an hour. Then they came back. And then we hooked a hog, but it was way out offshore. I moved out because they were going a bit quiet. So we went right out off the coast and then we hooked a proper hog and he took off like and he's left a bow wave like a submarine it was fun I, we saw his tail and um yeah no he was a proper 120 plus um just ripped the the hooks apart and what
1: uh, led you to that spot where you hooked that fish
6: salmon i could see the bunch of salmon offshore and so we just like, poked out there with electric and flicked around and bang, there he was.
4: Your assessment of the lay of the land out there, the amount of water, is there a lot more runoff to come and, and better fishing to come this season or hard to say?
6: Well, it's, it's been a great wet, but it's not flooded. So like the Shady Camp's still in, within its banks, so we didn't have a big flood. So, but it's as good as it's going to be. It, um, I'm a bit, bit more it is what it is sort of now. So it's good. It's good there, there. And if you keep casting, you'll get one.
1: Got a bit of an adventure, mothership adventure coming up in the next few days.
6: Yeah, yeah, taking off t- today to the mouth of the Daly. Uh, the weather's looking great. Not, <laughs> but um, we'll, we'll s- might might be a bit quiet, so that's good with the boats. Uh, but the fish tend not to bite too well in that low, so I think it'll be tough. But if the lure's in the water, the one, the one twenties are a chance.
4: So you're launching from Dundee. Heading to a mothership around the mouth of the daily, then punching back in. What are we looking at? 20 to 30 knot winds come Monday?
6: Yeah, well, I'm hoping for that, so I don't have to punch back. I'll just stay there.
1: i <laughs> at <laughs> of the office.
4: <laughs> and then from there, moving back to Shady or down the
6: daily? Yeah, then I'll hit Shady over Easter with the rest of the people. And it uh, had a bit of an interesting bycatch in the trip down at Shady too. Mullet, soft plastic, just flicking around and... I pulled this thing up really slow. I thought, oh, this could be a croc, it could be a stick full of vibes. It was vibrating and wallet. Then I pulled it up and it was a drone. Unbelievable. Yeah, it was in good nick. It's obviously just been lost. So, yeah, I chucked it on Facebook there to see if I could find the owner before I downloaded the footage of the Black Hawk down moment, which would be, <laughs> <laughs> which would be fun. Pretty
4: high end drone in the Esky. Not a bad
6: haul for the day. Righto,
1: mate. Well, as a, a purely as a public service by Tales from the Tinny and the Australian Broadcasting Corporation to the Fishing Public of Australia, we might
6: take that drone off your hands and see if we can return it to its rightful owner. That'd be marvellous. I don't know if my boys are like that, but yeah, no, it's not mine, so I'm happy to give it back to whoever lost it.
4: Great to catch up with you, Braden.
6: Awesome, boys. Have a good fishing trip. Tales from the Tinny.
1: <laughs> Braden Menzies there with a, a sensational tip. Follow the salmon. Follow the salmon. Now, regards this drone,
4: Rob, it is our, our duty as public servants to try to find the rightful owner. The drone is now in our possession. Of course, you've got to prove it, shows that you actually own it. So we've been having a bit of a think about a reasonable quiz, a few questions that you have to pass. I think the first has to be, Rob, make and or model. Mm. You know, what kind of unit is this? Followed by location. Yeah, where was it lost
1: specifically? We'd also like the, the terms and, and what actually happened. And also, we've actually downloaded the footage from the attached camera. The footage has been quite fascinating. There's a little bit of uh, clues there, but one of the main things is there seems to be two people, I don't know, cavorting around in what looks like a hotel room in, in latex suits, Tim. It's at time code 12 minutes and 5 seconds.
4: It lasts for about 90 seconds to two minutes. Bit vague, bit blurry. Black suits very, very uh, tightly clung. The, mm. the, what, what seems, it looks like a fairly high-end hot, hotel room or, or maybe an office
1: or a bedroom. Mm, I don't know if they're possibly scuba diving aficionados, fanatics, but I didn't see any snorkels or flippers. There was a lot of graining and heavy breathing, though. 1300 mullet is the
4: number to call. If you can pass the quiz, you get the drone. 1300 mullet. 1300
1: 685
7: 538. Hello. Tag. I <laughs> like
1: Follow. DS. Shoot it. Fly. Share it. Upload. Shout it. Give us a hoy. Give us a hoy indeed. The segment where you get a crack at giving us a hoy. you. I've got something to say. I've got an opinion. i want I've got an idea. Hu- I want to be heard. I want to be heard. I just want to be heard. Somebody listen to me. Here's uh, something from someone who wanted to be heard. Nearly. Yeah, no, I know, it's a hover boat. It's not a hover boat. You getting
4: close? Uh, take off. Take let, off. Let me guess who this is. Have a guess. This is Wazza who loves to rub it in as he flies across the top end coast to another idyllic remote destination and uh, just wanders around, finds a hundred barra in a day.
1: That's it. Precisely. You're right on, Tim. So I thought I'd uh, value add a little bit here. So uh, we'll start off with... Uh, papa,
4: papa, whiskey. Oh. Prepare for takeoff on uh, runway Nana. Presented to 3,000 feet.
1: Chocks yeah. away. ho! Tallyho? Tallyho. That's what they say in war movies. That's what Biggles used to say. This is Papa November
4: uh, Foxtrot to Darwin Tower. Do you copy over? <laughs> That's what they say. They don't say Tally Ho. Okay, well, let, here's Wiser.
1: Let's get down to the business. Hey, lads. Here's another bird's <laughs> eye view. This, got... is, this
4: is flat-out Biggles.
1: <laughs> Hello, chaps. Here's another bird's eye view of the fishing grounds from Darwin to Managreedar. Just flying over London now. It's a great and mighty battle. Long may the Queen rule over us all. (laughs) Adelaide River number one wheelchair looked crappy, but number two had some nice tannin water up the back of it. Marsh Creek was pumping heaps of tannin out there, and there are a few smaller ones heading towards Tommy Cut that were also pushing tannin. Tommy Cut didn't look that great.
4: I never knew they ran Lancasters from here to Manangreda.
1: Tommy Cut didn't look that great, but the mouth of sandpan was showing plenty of tannin, stained water pushing right out into the ocean. Swim love and carmore creeks also had nice colour changes at their mouths. Wild man in the mouth was looking good. If you travelled up the back, there's still heaps of nice tannin water at the back of it. South alligator, moving on! Bombs away! <laughs> South alligator, lots of dirty water again with a couple of feeder of creeks, with a bit of colour showing, but not much. If you looked south, you could see a definite change in the water once you got above the Arnhem Highway Bridge. Uh, next, we're crossing King River, Rolling Bay, the English Channel, we're about to take on the hung, and the Tompkinson River, which I'll be fishing over the next week. Oh, those Huns are all around there. Anyway, boys, get a mullet up here, and I'll talk to you soon. Oh, Jesus. Yes, another meeting at the pub would be absolutely smashing. Tally-ho over and out. On oh, no, all bandits at 12 o'clock high! wasn't. <laughs> Don't
4: do it again, was. G'day, David. Just a heads up for anyone in a smaller boat heading down the daily. There's a very cranky four-plus metre croc at Reedy's Creek that had a go at our boat on Monday. We were in a 5.8 metre boat, reckons, David. Wouldn't like to have been anything in, in anything smaller. A croc's got a white nose, which might have been an injury, possibly from a run-in with a boat. But be warned, thanks for the heads up, uh, David. And a text in... From another listener too. No, it wasn't. It was a Facebook message alerting us to some new hip-hop that's just been released, Rob, and they knew you were quite the fan of, of hip-hop and rap. This is Freestyle Fisherman. It says his mission is to spread the word about the joy and ultimate satisfaction one can achieve from going out into nature and hanging a big one.
1: Oh, really? What's now, that, is that a, what a, a septic term? For... I don't
4: know. In In this country, that means doing a number two I was going
1: to say having the the date over the transom that's
4: that's right (laughs) having a rather painful number two I hope to unite the masses in a way that only fishing and music can do, regardless of race or religion, age or sex.
8: Now how many of those
1: lyrics did you
4: get?
8: Uh,
1: not, not so many, Tim.
4: Hammerham. I, I think he said
1: tally-ho in there, didn't
4: he? Hate you when you cast over my line. Cast one more time on mine, it's going down. Grow a spine, find your own fishing spot, trying to look on Facebook where the fishing's hot. Wow. Now tell me there isn't a little bit of that feeling floating around the Territory at the moment during the, the runoff where the we feelings are running hot on Facebook. Where we battle between the dark and light of our human nature. Mm. As does this bloke, he just gives a spray and then rounds it off with no hate in my heart for other folks fishing, I'm wishing that everybody can find what they're missing. You see, from one verse to the next, it is the dark and light.
1: The light, the shade, the yin and the yang.
4: Whether it's an email or correspondence, report or pic, that demonstrates your better nature or your evil primitive state, you can send it to us via fishing at abc.net.au, the email address. Or message us at ABC Tales from the Tinny on Facebook. Shoot it. Share it. Shout it. Give us a point. Hit an absolute slapper, which pulled him right across the boat to the stage where he's hanging over the front by one hand and his rod way out in the other and it took the other two guys to grab him to pull him back into the boat. The
2: rod just buckled over and it was on. I bought this particular rod two and a half years ago to finally hook a dewy and I've been defeated a number of times and um, was really hoping that's what it would be and yeah, after a bit of a fight it fought in my favour this way instead of previous ones I've hooked and it's just over the moon when I pulled it up and it's this giant 126 centimetre Could not wipe the smile from my dial, the rain's pouring, smiles all around, yeah, just ecstatic. Tales from the tinny.
1: More meter is caught here, Tim, than at any time in the last six years. Daily? No. Shady? No. The river that shan't be
4: named? (laughs) No, definitely not. Surely not the Adelaide? No, Tim, look, I'll give you a hint.
1: Gentlemen. Two paddle
9: pops, please, Ray. Chocolate or banana. I'll okay. go, oh, banana. i rather live riskily. Ray, Medlicott, Buff Creek, boat ramp. Really hot season for, as we say, with the with the meteries, but there's been plenty of fish in the 90s up there as well, so it's it's going right down to rats. I mean, there's just that many of them, it's, it's a joke. A joke? To some that can't catch any, yeah.
1: <laughs> so fairly consistently, Ray,
9: over different tidal moves and stuff? Seems to be those big tides. When the tides can get up onto those floodplains into the fresh water and uh, drops, drops the, follows the tide back out again and bait comes out, that seems to be the time.
4: What areas are we talking?
9: Well, we're talking about the top areas of King Creek. We're talking about the top areas of the Little Howard, the Howard, and, of course, Hope Inlet.
4: So most fishers who you're hearing from are moving up there on an
9: incoming, fishing it on the high and the first of the outgoing. Correct. Both lures and live bait. That seems to be the go. Any specific
4: reports you've heard from fishers about sessions there? Oh, how long you got? As long as the paddle pops don't melt, we've got the whole day.
9: <laughs> um, I've heard sessions of people catching up to 10 and 15 fish at, in just in one sitting. Plenty big size. You, you'll throw in a few rats in that, but I'm, when I mean rats, I mean I'm talking 55, 60. Uh, the decent size around the 80s are getting kept and anything above that seem to be getting put in back so I mean that's a good cycle Had some trips yourself, right? I've given it a bit of a a nudge over the last week or so. You're being a bit cagey, I suspect. I'm sworn to secrecy about where I go, that's all.
1: Now, we saw Bob Morris just skulking out of the uh, car park here a couple of minutes ago, and he gave us a bit of a nod and a wink. Then he floored it in seconds straight down the boat ramp to get the hell away from us.
9: (laughs) (laughs) Anything to do with your trip? You'd have to hammer inch nails into my eyeballs before I'd say anything. We got about uh, seven or eight fish.
4: If I bought every paddle pop in your shop, would that convince you to give us any more? No. Live bait? Yes.
3: <laughs> I
4: won't <laughs> push any further, right? <laughs> We're going a
9: bit monosyllabic here. Uh, any word from the Rock? Plenty of dewfish at the Rock. They tell me. My son went up to the Little Howard last week, and he used nothing but lures, and he came back a very happy fisherman on you know up to eighty-five centimetre barrow just on the on the run in so he was pretty happy. What about Buff Creek itself? Still catching them off the bank. Say three or four a week are being caught off the bank just on the incoming tide. The rock bar's getting hammered. There's That always produces fish on the incoming tide so it's been fishing quite well. Meanwhile, into the blue water? They tell me the Prolegics are back. The Mackies are back in. A chap that went out below Bathurst Island last week and he was supposed to be out three days but he came back in two days because he'd got his He'd bagged out, so he was pretty happy.
1: And the crabs are a bit quiet.
9: They are. They're a bit quiet. Um, I don't know the reason for that. It's funny this time of year. Normally they're they're pretty well full on, but, I mean, two weeks ago they were, but they've gone quiet again, so maybe it's
1: the fresh. Rain associated, possibly?
9: Possibly.
4: I once again have attempted a Lee Sales-style interrogation and failed miserably. I apologise for putting you through that, Ray, and appreciate your generosity on everything but your personal trip. And terrific to hear that Shoal Bay is producing more meteries this season than any time in the last six years.
9: It's looking pretty healthy. That's the good thing about it. Now, as long as people respect that and do the right thing, it's, we'll have that for future generations, hopefully.
1: And, Ray, the paddle pops? Where, where are the paddle pops, mate? Paddle pops. I've
9: got a rainbow, but it's actually melting. I love that one. There you go. One for you. One yeah. for you. Thank you very much. Mine's the rainbow. Cheers, Ray. See you, fellas.
1: Get a mullet up here. Come on. Come on, you
10: G'day, I'm David Chiravalo, Executive Officer at AFANT. And a bit of money to splash around, David. Good to see the Minister come along and announce uh, his priorities for, for spending on recreational fishing. So we've got $6 million of pro- uh, projects which he says are fast-tracked.
4: The first
10: of them is uh, upgrade to the car park at Dundee. Essentially, this is about formalising that car park. The short term uh, news is that there's not going to be more car parks, but there should be some efficiencies Uh, rigging bays along the way uh, to really uh, sort of expedite getting to the the ramp. And the Minister did also uh, say, or I guess admit, that this is stage one. So I guess uh, there's still a a long-term solution for more parking at Dundee down the road. Because that's clearly what's required. It's an unprecedented
4: situation. I think probably a first in the Territory uh, this coming Easter to have traffic management crews at a $4.5 million brand new Dundee boat ramp just to manage the chaos. What fishOs really need is more car parks.
10: Yeah, that's right, and that's a much more difficult problem to solve because there's not a great availability of land around there. Uh, And, of course, the other thing is the ramp itself. So we've got fishers talking to us about the amount of car parking and the ramp itself, Uh, and uh, we've got this announcement. Um, I think there will probably be more there to happen in the future.
4: Has there been any discussion in ARFAC or did the Minister mention any consideration given to upgrading the ramp? That is, putting another groin on the other side, making it a marina, make it proper all-tide, all-weather access as promised.
10: Yeah, well, I think fishers know there were some options for uh, probably more expensive uh, or more, more, uh, a larger-scale development there at Dundee. That's not what was funded uh, previously. Uh, there hasn't been um, a talk of putting, that, putting money into that just yet. Uh, and interestingly, I've been told that the dredging being happen, happening now was always expected to happen or the clearing of the sand. So let, let's hope there's more to come in this space.
1: Moving on to another hot ramp at
10: this time of year, Shady. Some, uh, some upgrades happening there. Good news for Shady, that ramp that's been talked about in the past is finally going to happen, they're going to concrete the ramp, uh, it's going to be re- reinforced, it's going to be raised as well, uh, so that should g- give good certainty of access, a safer ramp and also uh, not going to be eroded by the conditions.
4: If you use middle arm um, uh, boat ramp, which is becoming more and more popular for people through the rural area, the car park itself is going to be upgraded and also some, some continuing works on corroboree access right?
10: Yeah, that's right. So there's there's work to to upgrade Middle Arm, um, the car park that needs to that needs a fair bit of work, and so that has been put forward as a priority and announced by the minister. And uh, some significant money being spent on Corroboree Road as well, I think, to improve the access through through more conditions there.
1: And uh, coming back to town, a ramp that's used all year round, Dyna Beach, getting a bit of work done, security and a bit of a toilet.
10: Security is an issue for all recreational fishers. People want to make sure that their car and trailer are still there when they get back and hopefully their windows are, are intact. Uh, and as far as the toilet goes, this is about making... Metropolitan fishing opportunities more family friendly. So security is
4: important to fishers, and obviously being able to relieve themselves is equally important. (laughs) Has there evidence security
10: of bodily function? Correct.
4: Is there evidence to this point that people have been defecating or urinating in bush nearby due to the absence of a toilet at Dino Beach?
10: First weekend I spent in Darwin, we went out with my partner, and And we were busting. Oh, and I was yeah, I I I, I, I was busting, but uh, you know I uh, I've got I've got ways and means, but um. Uh, we actually launched out at East Arm uh, and she certainly availed herself of the facilities and we're, and were very pleased that they were there and, and that would contribute to, as to whether she would come again.
4: <laughs> yeah, I had needs at that ramp recently too and it's a, it's a high-end, high-tech uh, automated facility, that one. Let's hope it's replicated. Oh, I love Auto, it. They play oh, love it. music.
1: Yeah.
10: Aren't they great fun? Oh, they're so much fun. Just go in if I don't need to go. Yeah, just hang out for a bit. You, you've yeah. got to have faith that that door lock is not going to spring open on you. There
4: is a lot of faith in technology going on there. The, uh, a little bit later down the track, there'll also be some work on the Channel Island uh, ramp. So we'll keep you updated, Fishos, on, on all these projects, the timeframes and the designs as they get released, because consultations are ongoing. David, you're heading out, hitting Shady this weekend?
10: Yeah, first time out at Shady uh, tomorrow, actually. So I'm looking forward to that and uh, hopefully I've got some photos to share with you guys. Uh, it's about time you popped your territory cherry, mate. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Looking forward to it. Plan of attack is to uh, head down for the low tide down, down, downstream um, and uh, fish, some of the, fish some of the little creeks uh, around that time and then maybe push back up with the tide later on in the day. Uh, I'm going with Tristan, so anything could happen. Best of luck. <laughs> I think I'll need it. David Chirovolo, the new
1: CEO of AFANT. And uh, speaking of matters AFANT, I was at the AGM on Sunday and we all know how the tinny loves science. Isn't science great, fishers? We say it often. We say it loudly. We say it boisterously. Because it's true. Science is great, fishers. Well, at the AFANT AGM, there was a great scientific presentation. And it was all about barra.
7: Yeah, day. I'm Dave Crook from CDU, uh, Charles Darwin Uni. I'm fish researcher at the Research uh, Institute of Environment and Livelihoods. We've had a fantastic presentation from you today, David, about
1: barra movements. And the technology of the new age is really revealing some amazing things. There was two particular methods of data collection that uh,
7: you were speaking about today. Do you want to just tell us briefly about that? Yes, so the first study I showed today at the presentation was using radio tracking, which is kind of the traditional kind of wildlife tracking with the antenna that you can follow fish around. So we were tracking them out of a helicopter primarily and we could pick up the fish from more than a kilometre away and then as you fly closer you can kind of pinpoint the actual location. So we were able to cover huge distances and we were tracking 80 fish. So it took us about five hours of flying time to find all 80 of them. And they were all tagged originally in the Yellow Waters, Home Billabong, Mardigal area? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we tagged them all there and then we tagged them in October and then followed their movements over the wet season. So they went far and wide after that, yeah. Yeah. So what sort of uh, movement did you get in in that particular area? So when we tagged them, it's the end of the dry season. The water quality was really terrible. water temperature was like 34 degrees. There was no dissolved oxygen. As soon as the river started to flow, it was like they were just waiting there and then off. Yeah, off they they move straight away. Um, got out onto those inundated floodplains, you know, where all those flooded areas, and got out of that billabong. It was like they couldn't wait to get out of there. You know, as the monsoons came, they just kept moving out further and further. But once the wet season sort of turned and the water started contracting, they started heading back towards where we'd originally tagged them. Yeah.
1: You had a, an animation of one particular fish as its movements through the season are uh, correlated to the monsoonal progression. And it was amazing to see the movement it went to and then where it came back to.
7: Yeah, well, that was it. They they obviously know where they are because most of the fish that we tagged came back almost to the same exact spot where we originally caught them. You know, so they're, they're, some of them moved uh, forty kilometres in a straight line from where we tagged them. They would have moved hundreds of kilometres, probably thousands, over the wet season, moving all over the place, and then at the end of the wet season, come back and come exactly to the same spot. Yeah, it was amazing. That one fish you were talking about, you said it was tracked again within a hundred metres of the original tagging point. Yeah, that's right. And um, most of them did something very similar to that so it wasn't just that one fish that was just an example it's like a refuge for them those billabongs over the dry season and uh, yeah then they get out in the floodplain use all the food that becomes available and then I guess they head back and see it out over the dry.
1: Now, the other one was a, a program you've got running on the Roper with acoustic tagging with a heap of listening points up and down the river.
7: Yeah, so it's pretty different technology. In this case, it's more of passive tracking. So we just set up these listening stations that listen out for the um, tag transmissions. So if a fish swims within a couple hundred metres of the listening station, then we'll detect it and its unique tag code. And so we th- set up about 35 over the, um, the length of the Roper. Yeah.
1: and out to the, right out to the mouth.
7: Yeah, we've got one sitting about five k's offshore, and then we go right up to Mataranka.
1: And what sort of uh, data? What, what sort of hits are you getting on those acoustic tags?
7: Yeah, well, lots, lots and lots, millions and millions of data points. We've tagged 121 fish so far. Oh, some of them we've got more than say thirty thousand hits of an individual so yeah an amazing amount of data
1: that's amazing 30,000 actual individual hits on the one tag
7: yeah so the tags are emitting a signal every minute to two minutes so if they're sitting near a logger we're going to get lots and lots of hits um but some of them are moving amazing distances and then we've got other fish that are just sitting in the billabongs where we tag them, not doing a lot. They're probably using the local floodplains during the wet season, just like we found at Kakadu but then they're coming back in the same way that we thought they were. That's
1: an amazing amount of data, as you said, it must be giving an incredibly expanded picture of fish movements as opposed to the old method, I suppose of just tag and then recapture point with
7: no real idea of what's happened in between. That's it, it's filling those gaps, isn't it? We have had one Fish, for instance, a meter that we tagged um, upstream, about 150 k's upstream, only in a few days made it all the way to the mouth and then came another 120 k's back to Roper Bar <laughs> and then back down near the mouth again, so all over the place. So, yeah, we're, we're really finding out a lot more than we otherwise could have. Yeah. And when did this program commence? We started in um, 2015, and um, the tags that we're putting in last for four years, so we implant them into the fish. Uh, and they'll last for four years. So we're looking forward to, over the next few years, just getting heaps and heaps of great data.
1: Now let's do a little bit of maths here. We're saying ten <laughs> or 15,000 hits by 120 fish by four years. Wow, you're going to get the abacus clicking, mate. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to need a bigger computer, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, you can go and see some of these animations and some of the data online at your website.
7: Yeah, we've got a Facebook page, NT Barrow Research, so you can check some of these uh, animations out there, yeah. Fantastic. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, no worries. Catch you later.
9: Tales from the Tinny.
1: Solis Otis.
8: The sun is risen.
1: Equus Veneticos piscatorus conceptatio captura.
7: The fisherman stalks his prey.
1: O Mulletus, saw awesome boss.
11: Get a mullet up you.
8: Hi, I'm Chris from the mouth of Daily. Uh, a few weeks back, working on a barge, um, coming back in from Port Keats, we were trolling some telecom rope out the back with a, a spoon and a bicycle tube and ended up catching a massive Mackie <laughs> took about two three of us to get it in initially and yeah chucked the spoon back out and then got a hit straight away again you could see all the fishing boats around charles point just zoom into our, our trail behind us <laughs> but yeah they didn't get anything <laughs>
5: so man that must have been pretty exciting how tell me how that fight went down
8: one of the blokes, I was inside cleaning, one of the blokes come inside and told me, yeah, the line's going off, so he pulled the first part of it in, and then, yeah, I started pulling the second part of it in. And as we got it to the boat, I quickly ran and grabbed the gaff while another bloke got the rest of it up. Yeah. How big she go? I don't know, we didn't get a rule on her, but I reckon she's about 130 max. Yeah, we didn't stake this one, we just took the fillets off. So, yeah, we had to be pretty quick. And, yeah, sort of divvied it up between the crew. It's funny, actually, the boys got pretty shitty at me because I ate a fair chunk of it and <laughs> didn't save any. <laughs> I get the impression this is something that you do uh, quite often. Uh, whenever you got time. There's a lot of stuff to do on a barge, so when you're not doing your wash, watch duty or cooking or cleaning, yeah, you can troll the line out the back. I reckon a lot of fishers would be pretty jealous, man, Like being able to, to technically fish and work at the same time. Yeah, it's pretty good. Except um, our skipper doesn't stop for us when we catch something. So. <laughs> One thing I do when I am trawling for mackerel or pelagics is I put a lot of swivels, especially if I'm using twined wire trace so it doesn't unravel. And um, yeah, use electrical shrink wrap. And yeah, just shrink it over with a jet lighter and it stops bubble trails. And yeah, you, you get a lot more hits when you don't have a bubble trail because pelagics are pretty smart fish. So you guys also barge over to the teewees. You, you troll on your way over there as well? Ah, uh, Tiwis is, um, yeah, we can troll over on the way to the Tiwis, but it's not as common because, yeah, we're flat out when we get to the Tiwis and flat out catching up on some shut-eye on the way to the Tiwis, so. First time I went to the Tiwis, um, on the barge, the the lad, the skipper, helped me put the tinny in the water. It's probably only 3.5 metres long, and I went up a, a creek just at the mouth of the absolutely Strait and then, um... Yeah, I got chased out by a four metre croc. I was even too scared to pull the anchor up. I was shaking <laughs> pulling the anchor up. Sort of drifted and come come off the bank and just drifted up right next to me. <laughs> so man, you're from you're from down Daly Way. What are you thinking about the the water level down there this weekend? Uh, I'm from the mouth, but my auntie that lives in the freshwater side and my uncle they say it's nearly at the right height. So I might have to might have to go out there. Yeah.
2: Tales from the tinny.
4: Plenty of reports throughout the week via As Facebook happens
1: at this time of year. Yeah, oh yeah, Plenty of reports is an understatement.
4: It's really hard to keep up. Dewey's continuing. There's a lot happening over the coming few days too. A billfish comp out at Dundee this weekend. I think around fifty boats or so, potentially dealing with some reasonably gnarly winds picking up from Sunday Monday. Mm. Uh, Finnis apparently had shut down. This was according to a couple of guides I spoke to. I mean, this was earlier in the week, and conditions changed quickly day on day and throughout
1: the day itself, so who knows. But Are we allowed to speak its name the, when it's allegedly not performing, but once it is performing, and it we co- dare not speak it? Correct.
4: That's a good rule, and one that I've just adhered to, I think. Hmm. Uh, so they both said um, it was a real struggle um, a, a few days back. The Kakadu Clash is on the south. Yep. Over the weekend, Dave Pears, day one, Kakadu Clash. My f- uh, first fish went eighty six, and then Paul Williams upsized it with a one hundred and two. Oh. pretty good start to the clash. Haven't heard from any other competitors, so don't really know how that the river's fishing. But that's a pretty reasonable start.
1: We will be getting some hardcore intel from some of the fishers from there to bring to you over coming weeks because it is a river that should produce. For a considerable amount of time.
4: And, and it's going to be a popular one at Easter, so stay tuned into next week and we'll have a report from the clash so you can judge whether you want to head there.
1: Where your camping options lie.
4: Shady, as you'll be hearing throughout the hour, still fishing pretty well. But as per usual, you know, plenty of people going out there and getting not much. Donuts. Yeah, for those who go out and get their, their couple of meteries. Daily patchy. Most crews are getting fish. Most crews are getting them down the front. Caught up with Alex Julius in the last couple of days. Who's down there for a few days. Said it's bloody busy. Heaps and heaps of people, even uh, midweek. He had a couple of southerners up, Barrow virgins, put them onto their first Barrow, which is always a lovely feeling, isn't it? And in the harbour, Andrew Humphreys has been hopping into Jew, Jewfish. Uh, out on the harbour for a few hours last weekend in the Arvo to try to get a feed for the night. Got on the water about 12.30, started fishing the last two hours of the afternoon outgoing, Landed three goldies, three deweys. With the best of the day going 118. Landed by my partner in crime, Jessica Westland. And it was great to watch it on the sounder as she brought the fish oh, up.
1: Oh, yeah, spectacular pics. Yeah, I love those pics.
4: Yeah, they're on ABC Tales and the Tinny on Facebook. As well as seeing the school hang around for heart, for around an hour. You certainly got your feed there, Andrew.
1: So it's, it's, it's that beautiful. toss of the coin again, Timmy. Do I drive 300 ks to... Yeah. Or do I just put into the harbour and keep playing the jamboree? And as you'll hear...
4: A little later, sometimes it only takes a quick trip just over the harbour to jam with the jamboree, it. to pick up the mandolin, or the little steel banjo, or the lager phone with the bottle caps and just pump out a, a little jewfish number. a funky tune. And g'day to you Shane Henry Murphy and Brandon Murphy on the Tiwi Islands, only 13 years old, loves having a flick on the weekends, landed 12 keepers on the Tiwi Islands at a secret spot during the week and the picks are phenomenal. They were all big fish. Seriously good, Barra. You can catch up on where the fish are, where the fish aren't, any time during the week via ABC Tales from the Tinny on Facebook.
12: G'day, Tyrone Coleman.
5: And Tyrone's father, Bjorn Farley. Gents, something pretty special happened out at Shady the other day.
12: It was pretty amazing. We were, like, hammering the creeks all week, getting 80s and 90s, and then decided to go for a troll, and then first troll dropped about a metre ten. I was pretty angry about that, and then, yeah, next troll after that got the 127. I hooked it, and then it, like, came out of the water once, and then... I didn't really think it was that big and then we didn't see it for the whole fight again and then when we got it to the net then we seen it again and then yeah we realised it was huge. We got in the net and then it went psycho and got out and then wrapped around the net the line so it went slack for a bit so I thought I lost it and then got it back in the net again and got it in.
5: Well, it was uh, an amazing moment to share with my son. Uh, it wasn't a million dollar fish but the memory is priceless. Um, he fought it exceptionally well. He's uh, no stranger to catching barrow, He's caught plenty of them before. Yeah, it was just, it was just unbelievable. You know, and when we did first see the fish, I too thought it was a hell of a lot bigger than than 127. But 127 is uh, is a very high benchmark. You know, it's, it's a magnificent fish. It was very, it was fat, it was broad. It was definitely a 60 pounder. The the height from its guts to its to the top of its head was just magnificent. You know, the girth was just huge.
12: I oh, was we'll screaming, I was we'll yelling. I was so happy.
5: Ty went to give me a high five and I said, come here and give me a hug, you son of a bitch. Very, very proud father moment.
12: Yeah, we end up giving it the name Goliath.
5: Does that make you David? Yeah. Tyron, you're 15. you reckon you're ever going to get a a fish, a barra, this big ever again?
12: No way. it'll never happen again. Not that big.
5: It's, It's once in a lifetime. We've been fishing for... A very long time uh, you know and um, previous to that my, my personal best is 111 and Ty's previous personal best was 104 so he's just absolutely blown both of them right out of the water and you know we do catch a, our fair share of barramundi and it would be very very hard to beat that one you know it's, it, it is once in a lifetime fish. A little envious as well you know <laughs> I would have liked to have caught that one. <laughs> it's a fine balance there isn't it between sort of pats on the back and, and hugs and like You bastard. Yeah, you know, he seems to think that the fish didn't fit in the net the first time, but there could have been an element of sabotage there. I would have liked to have seen the lure pop out of its mouth when I didn't put as much effort in as I should have to try and net it. That's not true, you know. I did give it a good red-hot go, but it was just too big for the net the first time and it blew out. All right, boys, well, good luck uh, for the school holidays and um, try to catch some bigger fish,
12: would you? Cheers for that.
5: Yeah, thanks, Mike. Tight lines.
11: There's a crocodile trap there, but sort of don't take any notice of that. And We drove past their boat and hurled the one-and-a-half-metre croc into
0: theirs. They all vacated the boat very quickly.
9: Off like a bright Yes. Tales from the Tinny. A couple
1: of weeks ago, we heard about a stellar, spectacular angling debut from a
2: lady by the name of Emma. I was crying. I was just in shock. A mess.
4: <laughs> 17 years in the Territory, your first barramundi 122
1: centimetres.
2: I think I'm just going to retire now, I can't beat it.
1: Call it a career? That's it. Emma from Palmerston, how's your retirement going? Have you taken out macrame, ping pong, maybe bushwalking?
2: I sort of didn't get time, um, I decided I'd better come out of retirement and um, hit the water again. Yeah, couldn't help myself.
13: Hey, how you going? My name's Mick, Emma uh, Brown's partner. First trip we went out, and got the metre 22 She's done pretty well on that one. We headed out to Shady Camp Sunday morning.
2: Cleaned up again. Uh, Walked away with another three barra, two of them being meteries again. So I've done a trifecta and my first three barra are meteries. So
1: tell us how the day progressed.
2: Went out early on Sunday morning it was pretty quiet really there wasn't many other boats launching at the same time it was just us and our housemates took off out to the mouth and had a look out there but there wasn't really much happening so we thought we'd go back in and trawl up until the Barra Hotel and they just started boofing right there in front of us everywhere it was just ridiculous there was about four boats trawling everyone was catching and I was lucky enough to hook on one quite early being the 102 and she put up quite a big fight, actually. I was probably on her for about 20 minutes. A bit later on, I hooked another 101, and then I sort of cleaned up the day with the little 92. So,
1: Listen to her go. The little 92.
2: The little 92, yeah.
1: So how's Mick going at this stage?
2: Uh, well, he caught the first fish for the day um, out at the mouth. Um, that's all he caught.
13: 50 centimetre blue salmon. I think I was pretty lucky to catch that at the start of the day as I didn't catch anything else for the rest of the day. At that time it was like, what can I do to catch one of these fish? So I had to go over to my mate's boat, grab a gold bomber, done a few more trawls and then there was. it all went quiet and we had to call her a day and, yeah, she cleaned me up again.
2: Yeah, I, I offered to drive and let him fish, but no, no, he's more excited about me catching fish. I had my lucky lure back on, the same one as I caught the 122 and he had a spare one there. I said, put it on, put it on. no.
13: He's a very chivalrous chap, isn't
2: he? A little bit too chivalrous. It
13: was just her choice of lure. She's just persistent, really cool, calm, and collective with all free fish, and that's why I think she got them in. She done really well, and yeah, I'm happy to have her in the boat anytime. Like to come fishing with us because if she don't come, like we don't catch a fish.
2: I'm the Slayer. They're calling me the Slayer at work. <laughs> I can't believe it myself. Still.
1: Now we've spoken about Mick's chivalrous nature, his selfless attitude, his sacrifice for his love, i.e. you, but I've got to ask a delicate question now to finish up with. Who is the alpha angler
13: aboard your boat?
2: Uh, I think it's me.
13: Well, I think she is at the moment. Yeah, there was a few beers drunk by the end of the day. Not that I was sulking my sorrows, but... I think the table's gonna turn. Next time we go out there, I'll be the one sitting in the passenger seat fishing, but no, we're happy the the way things are going with our fishing. <laughs> um, yeah.
9: Tales from the Tinny. Tinny.
1: Yes, mate. The great drone mystery. Yes. I have been sneaking around.
4: Have you? There's been a few inquiries, more than a few, actually, I've on the Facebook page. People have been
1: sniffing around my contacts. Oh,
4: yes. You little birdies. You've sent your little birdies out.
1: I have. I've uh, put out the word yes. on the street. Yes. And I can tell you, there's been developments. Oh, really? So, uh, where? Uh,
11: it was up there, flood plains, the floodplains at Tommy Cut in Dead Forest.
1: Okay, fair enough. When? About two weeks ago. Rightio, that sounds feasible. And uh, can you describe the unit in question?
11: Uh, it was a DJ Phantom 3, and it's white with red stripes on it.
1: Uh, was it muddy last time you saw it? No, it was pretty new. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I'm satisfied with those answers. Who who have we got here? Uh, Hamish Shannon. And Patrick Underwood. Boys, um, I think we've found the unit in question, the drone that hit the deck. Uh, Tell me the story of how it managed to be at the bottom of the water at the dead forest.
11: Well, we decided to go fishing on the neap tides at Shady Camp about two weeks ago. Uh, We fished the mouth of Sampan, only got a couple of salmon, and then we decided to go up in the floodwaters off uh, Tommy Cut. We didn't know good, so we thought we'd fly the drone up and have a look at the floodwaters, flying around for a bit, and then we decided to make the drone follow us in the boat as we took off. It was following us for, I don't know, probably 500 metres or so and then we hit into these trees and I kind of lost GPS single. It's got a home, return to home setting, so as soon as you lose single with your remote control, it will turn around and go back to exactly where it took off.
1: And funny enough, we took off in the middle of the river off the boat. (laughs) This this works well in theory if you're in the middle of a a cricket paddock or something like that, but if you're in a moving boat, Pat, it's a a bit of a different issue. Yeah, look, I just assumed Hamish knew what he was doing the way... (laughs) I found out later he just uh, got the drone for Christmas from his wife. I guess that's another story. But uh, yeah, he took it off with such sort of expertise that we thought it would be no problem at all. And, and once we saw the error messages and sort of Hamish's face went white basically, and sort of asking us what what it meant. And um, yeah, we saw the return to home and. Just took a little while. We thought that's well. That's not. Maybe it'll be at Nightcliff or somewhere when we get back.
3: (laughs) Well, we don't know. We thought
1: home, home was on the boat since we took off on the boat. But then we realised that the boat was nowhere near where where it was. So it was a bit of a race back there. But um, no sign of it when we got back there. Uh, Now Hamish, it was mentioned there. This was a Christmas present. Yeah, the wife brought me a
11: Christmas present, and I I haven't told her that I actually put it in the water. So uh, luckily, she doesn't really listen to the tales of the tinny. But Um, So, And she wanted to use it on the weekend, which is two days later, so I had to quickly... the pressure's on. So I had to quickly go out and buy a brand new one.
1: Oh, it's like the case of when you run over the dog. You have to quickly go go to the pound. Oh, look, hang on, one with a black stripe. (laughs) Yeah, exactly right. Did you get away with it? I did, until now. (laughs) Fantastic. So uh, Braden Menzies is the bloke who dropped a rubber right on top of its head up at the uh, forest there, and uh, you probably owe him his six-pack, I suppose. So uh, here it is. I've actually brought it along. I know it's looking a little bit sad yeah, and a little, a little bit, bit... brown. Uh, <laughs> a little bit worse. <laughs> Do you reckon you can salvage something out of
11: it? Yeah, I've still got the memory card in it, so i pulled pull that out and get the photos off it. I took a couple of good photos when we were right up
1: high. So Now, there's an issue uh, in our search to try and find the owner of this uh, said uh, vehicle. Uh, We downloaded some of the vision. Now, a lot of it was a bit corrupted, but we did seem to find a sequence that seemed to depict from an anonymous hotel room to... Two people clad in latex suits, (laughs) uh, rubbing against each other, bumping, and and, some strange things. Is there any way you can explain that, either of you? It might not be my drone then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, where do they find it? (laughs) Okay, boys, uh, it wasn't a very successful day in the water for fish and lost um, a significant amount of coin and and then had to spend that same amount of coin again to replace it. Uh, What's the motto of the trip? Read instructions, possibly. RTFM. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and thank you for Braden for finding it. Uh, much appreciated.
9: Tales from the tinny.
1: Now, Hamish, you've got a, a bit of an issue here because now you've got two drones where you're only given one. Now, she's a bit beat up. A bit, it's obviously you had a bit, of, a bit of a hard life, a bit of mud. Um, what would you think if I offered you a carton
11: for it? Yeah, no, that's no problem. I don't think i will fly, but I want the photos of the latex back, please. No
1: worries, job done. <laughs> Hey fishos, do you get a bit of domestic grief in the lead up to a long trip with the better half getting a bit, uh <coughs> toey about the impending absence of affection? Well now you can keep the home fires burning while plundering the high seas with the Tales from the Tinny servicing service. Our tireless team of highly skilled professionals will step into the breach to fulfil your conjugal obligation, pandering to your partners every peccadillo. Leading you to fish with mind at rest that your special him or her is being tended to by the best. The tales from the tinny servicing service. Phone now for an in-home, no-obligation free quote. (sighs) (sighs)
3: Satisfaction
14: guaranteed. (sighs) G'day, Sess, old son here from Karama. You've had nine trips, pretty much barren, one undersized fish. Have you come good yet, Sess? I admit I did probably give up there for a while but a mate of mine Kel sparked my interest and um, got onto a few fish finally.
1: Uh, back at the old stomping ground perhaps Shoal?
14: Yeah back there a few other spots but um, recent session there 10 fish for a couple of hours so pretty happy with that. We've heard from Ray at Buff Creek that Shoal's been fishing really well you
4: must be stoked with that session for Shoal Bay.
14: Yeah I mean four or five fish is great really so um, usually the sizes are bigger there than Darwin Harbour so that's why I sort of target it but yeah I'll be happy with anything more than zero those days <laughs>
10: <laughs>
4: anything in particular that was different that day or or specific that day that led to so many barrels?
14: i still try to work out shoal bay after 15 years and um i can't say exactly but i just casting the snags it was neat tides yeah just cast every snag and eventually you'll find a snag that's was holding fish and just work that area and they always seem to be in that sort of section of the river i find they don't seem to be spread out like you often find in other rivers that right there in that spot and everywhere else is like a desert just about
1: what uh, were you throwing at them
14: uh just little hard bodies i use these um suspending hard bodies and they are very good like you just throw them in and just twitch twitch and let them sit there you just keep hammering the same spots where you find them and they'll seem to come out of nowhere and hit them is the neap tides always your favourite, Cess? Uh, usually with work, it's just whenever I can get out, but definitely with the neap tides I cast lures, which is my preferred. Um, with the bigger tides, it's usually live baiting and, or hitting the, the holes, and it's usually a long day. So, And even the top of the tide on the springs is good. You get right up the top and cast around for a few hours and get back to the boat ramp before you get stuck. And uh, also had a crack at the river that uh, formerly couldn't be named, but now we can name as the finis. Uh Pretty Can sure we? that could be the name, I think I'm so. Sure. I <laughs> don't know. I don't know well, if I was there like or not. But, willing. <laughs> but yeah, I did get out there with my mate Kel and I've never been there actually and he loves the joints. So got onto a ninety nine, which was my biggest fish for the year and for a while, and we couldn't stretch it to the metre. But um uh, yeah, he got about ten fish and had a camp overnight and it was good. I think the word's out now and um yeah, it's a pretty popular place.
1: And snuck out on the harbour last night in between jobs.
14: Yeah, actually, um, the word of all these dewy's going around... Got you a bit juiced up. Yeah, and I did have another crack recently for Zero, and again last night, Zero. Oh! And um, I don't know, they're supposed to be jumping in the boat, but um, the, the customer I'm doing a job for, I saw him at the ramp putting in the same time as me, and... You might have to have a chat with him because I think he did all right. (laughs) How annoying. He won't tell me where he went, but um, it wasn't where I was. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Come on, you can do a cashy, shave a bit
4: off surely for GPS marks, can't you? I think we'll work something out there. (laughs) won't let the tax man know. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you've been to New Zealand as well. You're a man who whenever we talk to you've been somewhere else
1: in the world. We need an atlas when we come (laughs) to speak (laughs) to you usually. How was the trip?
14: Well, yeah, I love catching big fish, and New Zealand's got the biggest kingfish around, so I went over there with a few boys from Melbourne and my mate, the mad scientist Tom, from Darwin, and, um, oh, a magic trip. Uh, 30 kilo kingfish, huge drags, bent rods, a few snap rods. The water was glass for four days. Couldn't have asked for anything better, really.
1: Uh, Briefly, give us a geographic location and what sort of water, what sort of depth are you fishing in for these
14: kingfish? So we're in uh, the North Island and pretty much they say New Zealand's a nice place but I didn't see any of it. We went 100 miles north of the North Island on a liverboard vessel for five days. It's called the Three Kings. It's these huge basically mountains that come out of the ocean. It's uninhabitable. We fished uh, an hour and a half sort of north of there in the, on these shoals in about 70 metres of water. Using 60 centimetre tuna as bait. <laughs> because anything smaller, you get the Rat Kings, which are under 20 kilos, which is wasting your time, apparently.
4: They don't even take photo of a rat.
14: No, it's, if you get a rat in, they just throw it overboard before you can get a chance for a photo. And the Victorian boys, their biggest fish are sort of 15 kilos. So, you know, they were pretty happy to get those, but, you know, I don't think they'll be to have the same fishing when they go back.
4: How'd you cope getting them in?
14: It's actually not fun with the huge drags. I struggled, yeah. It's a lot of technique, even just not using your back and things like that, but just after one fish, I have to sit down for an hour. It was tough.
4: Back to the gym, sis.
14: Yes, I am actually literally signing up for the gym for my next trip. Um, (laughs) You just need to do a bit more tiling, mate. Lugging tiles around will be the gym for you. Yeah, well, maybe I'll have to work some regime in there.
3: Yeah, g'day. Nigel from Anula.
1: G'day, Nides from Anula. Now, Sess is your Tyler, and he's uh, let us in on
3: a, a bit of a tip that you went out on the harbour last night and did all right. Yeah, yeah, we went out and uh, took my old man up, uh, who's up from Victoria, and I got my young fella out, he's just about turned six. Uh, we went out at uh, the front of uh, the harbour there, got some nice goldies, uh, got sick of that, so moved up right up into West Arm and uh, hooked up some really nice deweys up, up over the metre mark. Well, firstly,
1: let's go back to the crew. We've got three generations of the family on board. That's a beautiful territory gathering.
4: Yeah, yeah, no, it was a good night, really good night. And your son has been featured on Tales from the Tinny before as a newborn in a crab pot. That was you, the responsible father, who sent that
3: in, wasn't it, Nog? Uh, yeah, yeah, that was a uh, glamorous idea of mine and, uh, yeah, caused the reaction that I was after.
4: So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it did. Yeah, we were happy about it. <laughs> and and how, how old is he now, not? Uh,
3: he's a uh, week off six. So, yeah, he's getting right into fishing. So, about croc trap size? Uh, I reckon he'll fit. <laughs> Did he get
4: into any of the fish?
3: Uh, he got a couple of the small ones, yeah, yeah, so he's loving it. We've got to buy him a bigger rod, though, so he's capable of pulling in the big ones. Oh, well, you're training him well,
1: obviously. Starting in, like, the crab pot is the crib, but putting a rod in his hand. This is the progression we like in Territory Children. So, let's go back first. Off, uh, got the deweys first. No, the snapper first.
3: Yeah, the goldies were first. Uh, got them just before the turn of the tide. So, yeah, just off Mandora there. Just on a little bit of rubbly bottom or some spots, spots you know? Yeah, I think it's where the, uh, that gas line was laid, and it just goes through one of the deeper holes there, and they just seem to hold around that.
4: And extraordinary that you're getting decent deweys up west arm. Was that what you were targeting?
3: Uh, yeah, mate went up there, uh, and he said that they did really well a couple of weeks ago, so I sort of followed his spot and, uh, yeah, took his lead. Um, now, there's a, there is a spot there. What, what sort of water were you in, let's just say that much? We are in about 12 metres of water. Yeah. What stage of the tide were the deweys on? Uh, probably about an hour after the turn, so it was a little bit surprising that, um, that it wasn't right on the turn, but yeah, w- waiting for the water to run.
4: I read Sesa's body language earlier where he got nothing, saw you at the ramp, you got a few. What sort of percentage discount are you looking for on the
3: tiling job to share your marks? Oh, it'd have to be about the 70, 80%, I reckon. Whoa! Oh I was thinking 30. <laughs> Jeez, Jeez
1: they good marks. Yeah, good marks, man. <laughs> yeah,
4: you can't give these ones up. <laughs> uh, good on you, Nigel, and it's lovely to have um, had a relationship with you and the young fella since birth and keep us in contact as the picks and the fish keep coming, mate.
13: Yeah,
3: cheers. I'd bring him out, but he's having a bit of a snooze. He's a bit tired. Yeah, so.
1: <laughs> we, look, we look forward to what you strap him into by his 14th birthday. What we can work on then. Oh, we'll find something. Don't worry. A few beers and we'll work it
4: out. <laughs> 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 good on you, Nigel. Nice to talk to you. Cheers, guys.
9: Tales from the Tinny.
4: Well, that's just about it for us on Tales from the Tinny this week. Thanks for your company and for sharing what has been a a sugar-fuelled cake. A cake? I've got pink icing up every orifice.
1: I've so sugar-hyped
4: Deep into my nostrils that icing's working. Almost you can feel it seeping into the back of my eyeballs.
1: (sighs) Oh. (laughs) <laughs> roll in my. I can't eat anymore. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna roll in my
4: cake. Oh, it's been good. Have a great weekend and week. Fishers, we'll catch you next week on Tales from the Tinny.